your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. If you enjoy this episode and want to stay tuned to the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. You'll never miss another episode, and you'll be able to catch up on all the previous episodes you might have missed. On tonight's episode, I thought I'd talk a little bit about tonight's game against the uh, the Montreal Canadiens and some thoughts from a couple of periods and then a few Jets updates. Before we talk Jets-Habs, let's talk about some of their roster moves, which include sending uh, Christian Veselainen and David Gustafsson back down to Manitoba. In exchange, the Jets' taxi squad now receives Yono Luoto, and that'll be a, a, a cheap little addition to the squad, not somebody who I expect to really play NHL minutes. Luoto is basically there to serve as emergency depth, and so the, the Moose are now going to have a little bit more scoring up front. And frankly, both Veselainen and Gustafsson are just being wasted sitting on the taxi squad, so they get time in the AHL, they'll get to play some pro minutes, obviously they get time off the bench, and it's good for the Moose too, because let's be honest, Manitoba is kind of ailing right now, especially when it comes to offensive creation. Getting a top-line center and a top-line winger, well, relative to the standards that the Moose are probably used to right now, will certainly be a huge boost to that squad, especially as they face some pretty difficult opponents coming up. I'll be sure to watch as many of these Moose games as I can so I can give you some feedback on how some of these kids are handling it. I expect Veselainen and Gustafsson will easily be on the first or second lines. This hopefully means we stop seeing three defenders on the power play, because let's be honest, I don't really expect that to be a particularly productive avenue as far as the Moose are concerned. You know, as good as Gavanki is as a shooter, you'd probably like to have an actual attacking forward hanging around that left face-off circle rather than, you know, stringing together two to three defenders on your power play because you don't really have any attacking forwards who can handle it. I'd expect Gus to be very effective in his two-way transition game and also being a very effective defender just because Gus is, is really strong on the puck. He's very smart in distribution, and I feel like a lot of what he does is going to be very useful for somebody like uh, you know Cole Perfetti who desperately needs a really good distributor and somebody to feed him the puck because right now Perfetti is just having a little bit of trouble getting used to the AHL lifestyle. I think the chaos of this game, as well as the fact that the Moose don't really have a whole lot of forward depth, means it's difficult for him to find space. You know, oftentimes he's prowling along the wings and trying to make things happen, but he doesn't really have a whole lot of support. And the only time he ever really does is when Heinle is also on the ice. Losing Reichel, of course, also makes it even harder for him, so I'm sure that uh, as far as the Moose are concerned, it's a very big boost to have Perfetti get some actual quality line mates. And uh, hopefully Veselainen will certainly boost that uh, right wing presence and on the power play as well, just because, you know, the second power play unit is a couple of guys I don't even recognize. Those units in general just really lack a lot of goal scoring ability up front. So it'll be nice to see these guys get some more ice time and hopefully they fit right back in on the Moose and can contribute some top six scoring. With the, uh, the Moose talk out of the way, I thought I'd focus now on Winnipeg's game against the Montreal Canadiens, which of course has, you know, likely uh, playoff implications down the road here just because both of these teams are probably competing for very similar spots. And any distance the Jets can gain now against the Habs would be fantastic. So this road game is kind of an interesting one because I feel like the Jets had two very different first couple of periods. The first period I felt was very good. 
Uh, the Jets were actually rolling all four lines. They had a couple of really great offensive sequences. And Winnipeg, aside from like one really bad tire fire, uh, fire wagon sequence inside the defensive zone, was otherwise able to exit the zone cleanly and create some really good scoring chances off the rush, as well as some really good puck movement in and around the net. The first line seemed to be doing pretty well. You know, Paul Stastny alongside Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley, they don't have to be super fast, but what they do often do is create a lot of great chances with very good distribution and, you know, play around the goal line area. All very good stuff. All high danger. That's what you like to see. The second line I thought was okay. Uh, Ehlers, Dubois, and Connor to me just don't really seem to gel all that well, and I'm not really sure why that is. It feels like Dubois isn't exactly as effective as he is as a winger, so... Not 100% sold on that line combo just yet. Um, as far as like the third line is concerned, you know, Cop, Lowry, and Appleton are fine for the most part. They're definitely able to get inside the offensive zone, but I feel like Appleton might be the only guy right now who can score on that line. So I don't know. I think you need to split Cop and Lowry. I just don't really care for them together right now. You know, that line is good at creating lots of chaos down low, but as far as their actual goal scoring contributions are concerned, it's a little bit mixed. So I wouldn't mind seeing those guys split up just because I feel like the top six definitely needs somebody like Cop to help with the defensive transition stuff and maybe you can move one of the upper line wingers onto the third line just to give that extra little boost to uh, Lowry's forechecking game and offensive zone awareness. The fourth line was pretty solid although I will say a lot of that is just Matthew Perot. Perot actually had a really nice goal off of a turnover from Tyler Toffoli. Toffoli for some reason lazily backhanded a puck across the slot back towards two of his skaters but unfortunately he didn't really seem to recognize that Montreal didn't actually have anyone in the space between and so Perot just sort of drifted in, grabs the puck and then backhands it in. By then the Jets had already been up one nothing thanks to a Paul Stastny goal where uh, Blake Wheeler just sort of threw the puck laterally from the goal line and it seemed to deflect off of Stastny's skate and in. It wasn't exactly a beautiful goal, but as far as being a very important first strike in this game, I think the Jets will happily take it, and, and certainly it was a, a good reward for their efforts down in the, in the slot. I feel like that first line had been doing a couple of really good sequences there, and of course they ended up scoring, so that's what you like to see. Even strength scoring for that line has been a little bit mixed, so it's nice to see them actually scratch one that's not an empty net goal or, of course, like a power play point. You know, obviously Winnipeg's even strength scoring is very important for this team right now just because, you know, their power play at times does get shut down. The parole goal was definitely a really nice insurance goal, so to speak, although I had a feeling and suspicion that, of course, a 2-0 lead here against the Habs wasn't going to be quite enough. Montreal put up a pretty tough fight. It wasn't like they were able to really crash the slot in the first period, but they were definitely peppering the, the net with a lot of weird shots and some, like, tips and sharp angle chances that I think the Jets have traditionally had issues with. And then there was that one, you know, one extended sequence for about, like, 30 seconds or so where the Jets really got hemmed inside their own zone. Everyone was tired. Uh, Montreal was running circles around them. And Winnipeg just really seemed to lose all sense of defensive awareness and markings. And I, I think that that was a very fortunate sequence for Hellebuck to survive and make a couple of really crucial saves on Shea Weber. The Jets were probably at least a little bit fortunate that they didn't surrender maybe one goal or so. But, of course, uh, you know, the Jets... Yeah, they did end up conceding later, and unfortunately, I think it's what we all suspect is that when they play a lot of these games and these teams that have these fast four checks and really quick counters, oftentimes Winnipeg's defensive disorganization can give you some really big issues. And a team like Montreal, they're very good at capitalizing on your mistakes. We'll talk about what mistakes the Jets made in the second period in just a moment. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why BetOnline.ag needs to be your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. When it comes to the wild west of online sports betting, it's hard to know what sites are reliable and who you can trust. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. 
Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. And they also have all the international soccer, tennis, and more you could possibly want. If you're not into sports, BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, featuring real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you want to place a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion, or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show, they've got you covered for all the latest news, scores, and odds you need to make the most informed bets possible. Getting started is super easy. Go to betonline.ag and register for a free account. And when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus when you make your first deposit at betonline.ag. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. Go to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are covering the Jets against the Montreal Canadiens tonight with a few thoughts. We just recapped the first period earlier, so be sure to tune into that if you missed it. Before we talk about the second and third periods of action, I did want to tell you a little bit about why Locked On Today should be in your daily podcast rotation. We've got you covered for all things Winnipeg Jets, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Sub to the Locked On Today podcast on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. And now some thoughts about Winnipeg's second period against the Habs, which I feel like, you know, if, if you've seen enough of this team, you generally know that the Jets, especially when they have a lead, tend to sit back a lot and, and sort of let their opponents dictate the rest of the game. And I feel like in the second period, the Jets maybe took the foot off the gas a little bit too much because what happened in this period was Montreal basically ran them over. It felt like the Jets were just giving away far too many cheap giveaways. There were a lot of zone exits that were stopped early at their own blue line, crappy defensive coverages, and just really, you know, very sloppy play after what was, in my opinion, a pretty good first period. I feel like the Jets just didn't do enough to really take it to Montreal, and with a two-goal lead, it's not really secure. With how quickly Montreal can hurt you down low, you absolutely have to make sure that you run the score up, because Montreal, even though they are struggling right now and have had issues, they're definitely a very opportunistic team, and you don't want to give guys like Brendan Gallagher, Paul Byron, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, even guys like, you know, Joel Armia, you don't want to give them space and time to really put it on you. And the Jets unfortunately backed off a lot in this period, and so I feel like the resulting two goals against is pretty fair. The first goal was a Brendan Gallagher marker on the power play, and this one was a a sort of a busted defensive sequence. Unfortunately, you know, the Jets get caught out here a little bit. There was a bunch of net front chaos, and then, you know, Nate Beaulieu drops to one knee to try and block the, the passing lane or something, and like... Two or three of the other penalty killers for the Jets all sort of stack themselves in a line, which means Bolu is basically the only thing standing between Hellebuck and the goal scorers. And unfortunately, you know, Bolu's not really useful being in a prone position, basically, because he tried to drop really low to, to block those shooting and passing lanes. But actually, he put himself in a really vulnerable position, and it gave Gallagher plenty of space to put it past him. I know Nate is brought in frequently for his physical prowess and his penalty killing ability, but he actually doesn't really kill penalties, so I would not want to put him out there in a really high leverage situation. He doesn't really have the ability to improvise quickly and shut down these scoring opportunities. Oftentimes he finds himself in really bad situations, and kind of like Lucas Abiso used to do, he skates himself into really bad spots and gets himself into trouble, so not really in love with that particular uh, penalty killing role. I I feel like you do need to limit his minutes there as well, which is... uh, bit of an issue like an overarching theme with Nate. Unfortunately, you just can't really trust him with a lot of time on the ice because usually it's going to concede opportunities for the opponent. Playing him with DeMello is certainly a lot more preferable than playing him with Morrissey, but uh, you know, it's not really something that you want to see too too often either. The second goal was sort of a frustrating one. Tyler Toffoli ended up getting a really nice tip deflection in front of the net. You know, Forbord and Morrissey here are in front of Hellebuck, and both of them are not really taking their man as effectively as they should. Tyler Toffoli gets the inside cut on Derek Forbord, and so, you know, the rest is history. 
The Jets were fortunate that despite not really doing a whole lot in the second period, they only conceded two goals. I felt like Montreal probably could have added a third somewhere if the Jets had not been, you know, at least a little bit more ambitious. Thankfully, Hellebuck was able to snuff out most of Winnipeg's mishaps and lead it into the third period tied 2-2. Some notable observations were that the usual suspects were kind of at fault here. You know, Beaulieu had a rough PK shift, Josh Morrissey struggled on that top pairing, and frequently got burned on a lot of coverages where he needs to be winning physical battles and getting the inside positioning. Derek Forbort was also uncharacteristically rough around the edges, just because I feel like when the action is really fast, I feel like it doesn't suit his game as much. He's a bit of a bigger, slower guy, and what he often you know struggles with is really fast puck movers, rapid counters, and really quick, low uh, slot passes and cross movements. So I feel like that sort of stuff definitely has bit him before. He was probably fortunate that he didn't get caught in as many situations like that this time, but you know, against the Canadians, that's something that they like to do a lot. The other thing that I haven't been in love with is uh, the second line. You know, Connor and, and Ehlers and Dubois just don't really have a whole lot of chemistry. This unit definitely needs to be split apart because Dubois right now doesn't really look comfortable as a center at all, especially between these two. And Ehlers is not really able to be as effective as he usually is because he's constantly having to pick the slack up of his line mates. You know, Kyle Connor is definitely fun when he's scoring goals, but away from the puck, he often has a lot of issues, especially inside the offensive zone. So I feel like you need to find somebody who's a little bit more versatile and can support Dubois and Ehlers in their endeavors to drive towards the net. I saw a suggestion of like, uh, you know, Andrew Kopp with uh, Dubois and Ehlers, which is certainly an option. I feel like I almost want to give Perot the nod here. You know, Perot, Ehlers, and Dubois together would probably make a lot of sweet magic. And then you move Kyle Connor to the third line or something, which actually should give that third line a bit of an offensive boost. You know, Kopp, Lowry, and Appleton together, they just don't really work as well as you'd hope. I think Lowry is comfortable, you know, doing the shutting down by his own, and you've got Appleton, who's a very defensively-minded winger, who can also score sometimes when you ask him to. But what they really need is, like, a really bonafide finisher, because they're very good at closing down the gaps to the opposing net. They drive towards that net front area, they cause a lot of havoc, but they don't really have many guys who can finish it. Knowing Connor and his habits, I feel like he's the most natural fit for that unit, and somebody who could actually bring a lot more goal-scoring punch than what they've got going right now. The top line definitely needs to stay as is. Stastny, Shifley, and Wheeler are actually playing pretty well together, and the slower, more measured pace of this line allows Blake Wheeler to not have to run out of gas just getting up the ice. I feel like it, it suits him perfectly. He can effectively distribute the puck, and he's just been a more potent goal-scoring threat. I feel like a lot of his shots are starting to get into better positions, and even though he does miss some easy opportunities and has you know, a couple of puck-fumbling moments that you'd like him to really settle it down, it is at least a little bit better than when he just handled it like a grenade constantly. So for the time being, just leave that for First line, it works well. Stastny's been a great fit and a great net front presence. It's fine. Rework the second line, and I think you've got some magic here. I think the Jets forwards can probably outscore a lot of their defensive issues if you make a couple more tweaks and adjustments. That, of course, is in the future. And speaking of things in the future, in just a moment, we will take a look at what happened between the Habs and the Jets in the third period. Before we move ahead, though, I did want to tell you a little bit about why rockauto.com is the best source for all your online auto part needs. When it comes to buying auto parts, it can be a very complicated process. You may not know what you're looking for, or even if you do, you might not know if you're getting the best deal possible. If you want to stop wasting time and money, look no further than rockauto.com. The fine folks at rockauto.com have been in the automotive industry for over 20 years. Their easy-to-use website allows you to search by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and set a price range filter so you always get the parts you need at the prices you want. Whether you're looking for a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com's diverse catalog is sure to have what you need in stock. And best of all, you can save anywhere from 20, 30, 
even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. Why shop anywhere else when rockauto.com has exactly what you need with the best selection and the best prices in the industry? There are no membership fees, so everyone pays the same prices no matter your walk of life or your industry profession. Head on over to rockauto.com, and when you place an order, write locked on the neat how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Welcome back to these closing thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are covering the Montreal Canadiens versus the Winnipeg Jets, which just concluded a few minutes ago. The Jets have played the halves multiple times this week, and of course, we did expect a, a bit of an interesting game here on the road against Montreal. A very tough opponent for sure, but a team that seems a lot more vulnerable and beatable. After the first couple of periods, though, I had mixed feelings. You know, the Jets' first period was pretty good. They had a nice 2 nothing lead, things were going well, the Jets were playing pretty evenly, and only had a few disastrous shifts, which is pretty nice for a team that often has a lot more than that. In the second period, the Jets kind of fell flat and took their foot off the gas, which was very apparent as Montreal was able to dial up the pressure immediately and over the course of the period ended up scoring two goals, and both of them felt pretty deserved. Like, I, I wouldn't say that the Habs were like an amazing team in that second frame, but they did enough to create a number of opportunities and certainly outplayed the Jets. Thankfully, though, Winnipeg ended up coming back in the third period and playing a lot more, a, you know, of a closer game to what they had in the first period where they were cutting open Montreal's slot and in general looked pretty dangerous. I felt like Montreal did have a couple of good sequences and counters, uh, but you know, generally speaking, the Jets played pretty good hockey, and of course the top line, which I did praise earlier in this episode, struck again. This time it was Paul Stastny with a two-on-one thanks to Shifley and Wheeler, and on this one, you know, Stastny just sort of walked it in, saw the defender backing off, gave him plenty of time to pick a corner, and he went over the left shoulder, well actually right shoulder this time, left side on, you know, Stastny's particular point of view, and this is just a really filthy shot, but you know, Montreal's defense gave him a lot of time and space to work this one in, and I feel like Jake Allen, you know, had been very good this entire game, but of course that's one that he'll probably be upset about because there wasn't really much he could do, and Stastny just picked the corner right over his shoulder and ultimately, you know, gives the Jets a pretty good lead. Things were kind of cruising along, though, and then, you know, the final minute or two of the game happened, and unfortunately the Jets, when they face an extra man situation where, uh, you know, Montreal pulls the goalie, they always seem to have like a fire wagon sequence in the defensive zone. They get really conservative, they tend to allow too much space to the extra skater, and then they also don't really seem to pressure any of the puck carriers or disrupt the shooting lanes or passing lanes, so ultimately Montreal had a few good looks on net, and then one of them found their way through the back, you know, through a uh, another tip deflection, this one courtesy of Corey Perry. The game was tied and then went to overtime. Morrissey and Pullman were out there and got roasted in front of the net, which I feel like is something you don't really want to have happen. You need to get them out of that situation. Don't put them in really stressful areas where they have to improvise a lot, because neither of those guys is really capable of doing that. Thankfully, though, the Jets were able to survive until overtime and just wait for the three-on-three, where they did, again, run three forwards. And of course, the Jets, when they have three forwards, just seem to do really well. This time, though, Montreal's counters were actually very dangerous, and I felt like the Jets were very fortunate to win this one. As much as the Habs have struggled, you definitely know that as soon as they hit you on a really rapid counter, you can find yourself in a world of hurt. And on one of those sequences, there was actually a double shot situation, one off of a rebound that, you know, Hellebuck had to basically leap on top of, but he almost like scooted over to try and cover the puck and make an amazing save. I'm not quite sure how he pulled it off, but I'm going to call it the scoot from now on because, you know, we have plenty of different names for dumb saves or whatever that goalies make. And of course, you know, uh, Pierre Maguire, for some reason, calls Holtby's 
magical glove save against Vegas the uh, couple of seasons ago, the save. I guess it's time to make my own one up, and I'm just going to call it the scoot because that's basically what Hellebuck did is make that save on that uh, last second opportunity. And then thankfully, the Jets ended up countering the other way a few shifts later. This time, Dubois worked with Nikolai Ehlers, and though Dubois had a really rough night, you know, he ended up finding himself in a really good shooting spot in the slot and did not miss the right corner, just picked it cleanly, slapped it home, great goal, and the Jets take both points. Overall, I think the scoreline's pretty fair. The Jets did deserve to, to win this one, even though it was a little bit close towards the end. Overall, I would say I'm very happy with this. I feel like the Jets did enough to get the victory. They've played well over the past couple of games. Maybe there's something there. They just need to kind of work on getting some defensive depth and working on that second line to try and find a little bit more chemistry for, you know, Connor, uh, Dubois, and Ehlers, which may mean splitting them up and moving them to different lines. But overall, that first line is rolling. The third line is doing okay. Perot is having a great year. A quality win on the road, and the Jets will get to do it again this weekend against Montreal again. So I will probably have an episode later this weekend talking about what occurs on the weekend game. That will conclude tonight's episode, though. And before you log off, be sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Get the upper hand in your fantasy league with daily hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long, dynasty, and DFS leagues. Breaking down all the stats and information to keep you ahead of the competition. Subscribe to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!